There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Hello everyone and welcome to Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows on the Sci-Fi Channel. I'm Sean fangirl And I'm Steve, and tonight we'll be discussing episode three of season four of The Magicians. This one was like, whoa. Okay, yeah. so I've noticed online that a lot of people are saying that ratings are dropping left and right over last year. Right. And a lot of people in response to that have also said that it's not counting those of us who have cut the cord. So it is seems to only be counting traditional traditional um cable. Absolutely it is. So... Like, I watch on PlayStation View, because I have it, Right. sci-fi on there. It's not an additional app. So I'm wondering if I'm even counting. So I say this only because, yes, our ratings don't seem amazing. But if you go by everybody online who's talking about they're watching it in all these other countries, it just makes me wonder what's going on. Right. So. Yeah, because the ratings for episode one was a 0.19 and adults 18 to 49. With 0.611 million viewers, making it the 49th overall cable show for the day. I don't know. Do you feel like they advertised it, too, that it's coming back really well? Because a lot of people were like, wait, it started? So Yeah, I don't think they pushed it quite as much as they could have. But those of us who know, know, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Everybody can catch up and they can watch and get those numbers up for Live Plus 7 if we ever get those. Right. All right, so we don't have episode two ratings yet. No, not yet. See, Nielsen, you need to get with it. Get all of the counts. Yeah. Get on the ball, because I'm so on the ball all the time. Yeah, no. <laughs> all right, episode three of The Bad News Bear. Katie gets a puppy. Quentin meets a snake. Okay, really? Thank you so much, Sci-Fi, for that very informative uh, synopsis. Super generic. okay so let's start in the library because there's a lot happening and this was pretty interesting with the library oh yes it was because we see alice pulling off the paint and thinking back to what nick said it's like oh you'd have to pull off a whole wall in order to be able to do something which obviously they would be able to see that right but she's pulling off the paint and she hides it when she hears steps and suddenly somebody comes in, and who is it that we see, which really surprised me. Yeah. Dean Fogg. And she's like, oh my gosh, finally. He's like, I only have a moment. Which made me feel like he was sneaking in. Right. You would think so, but I guess he convinced Zelda to let him have a minute with Alice. I and mean, we don't see it, so we don't know for sure. But yeah, I guess he could have snuck in. Especially with what he tells her, because Dean Fox right. says, the great blank spot is over. 
and the books on everyone are continuing to fill themselves in. So if, if your friends got their memories back, the library would try to protect themselves from the monster that you told us about. And then leaves. It's like, what the heck is happening? <laughs> well, I think it was Bob's way of trying to inform Alice what's going on without saying it so Zelda would know what was going on. Mm -hmm. Which was really interesting because when she does talk to Nick, she's like, oh my gosh, the books. It explains everything and it's filling in. And he had no idea what the hell was going on with the books. Right. <laughs> and he is just, man. My job would have been so much easier had I known right? that these books existed. <laughs> so ultimately, because of what we've seen in this episode, the great blank spot, it was everybody's books, not just theirs, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. Without magic, they couldn't access what everybody was doing. So okay, we see, have the great I, blank spot. wasn't 100% if that's what it was or if it was... Because their books had this big nothingness because they had that spell on them. Right. Yeah, I think it was because of magic being turned off. Okay. Yeah, because if the books are basically, shall we say, almost writing themselves as each day goes by, documenting what everybody in the world's doing, it's using a lot of magic to do that. So, yeah, you turn magic off, it can't do that no more. So, total side note, since we know that the books are being written by Cassandra, I believe it was Cassandra. Right. With the magic just being trickled in, did she have the power or was she actually finally in a peaceful place is what I wonder. With Cassandra, I don't think she would ever be in a peaceful place. <laughs> she was just too far out there. Now, granted, she might have been more peaceful than she's been in a long time. Because she's not because hearing every least, story. Right. At least the noise level has quieted in her head. So, yeah, she might have actually got some peace and quiet for a little while, at least. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That just kind of had me thinking during this episode. It's like, huh, I wonder how in this great Blake spot, Cassandra's actually faring. And I almost wanted to see her. Right. But I don't know if we'll ever see her until we see our Penny, too. Which we'll get there. I have a question about that, too, which we'll come back. I'll loop back okay. around. But anyway, let's get back to the library. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Nick suggests that they take their books with them. And why didn't Alice think about that? Right. Yeah, that would that made too much sense. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm wondering if she's one of those people that are, like, so focused on the immediate task, like, she's not seeing the bigger picture. Like, right now, it's like, I have to get out right. and find my friends and help them. And not seeing something like, what Nick's saying, just take the books with us, and then they can't find us. It's like, ah. Yeah. Oh, there we go. And Yeah, that's Alice. She's really laser-focused and isn't seeing the big picture. Yeah. It's really weird, too, how Alice ends up getting them out. Right. She uses the paint chip, spits in it, kind of mixes it up. And where did the straw come from, anyway? It had to come from one of her meals, and she just kind of uh, stashed aside. Use the straw to spit the paint that she now used from chips down into kind of putty-ish into the lock. Well, it's anti-magic, and the lock's magic, so ta-da! Yeah. Gets yeah, out. that was pretty uh, 
pretty slick. I thought that was pretty ingenious. Yeah. And I love it because Nick's like, I never thought of that. <laughs> okay, that's great. But how were you getting out? Because until you knew where a fireplace w- was, you were kind of stuck anyway. Right. So she starts walking. And I love how she has this map. It's like, how were you doing a map when you were controlling a cockroach? Right. She was able to kind of draw the layout as the cockroach was exploring. So apparently... After they had the trip with the into the fireplace, she was able to somehow get another bug and use it to kind of map out the place. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that would work. And they come to a wall, and she's like, wait, there should not be a wall here. It should keep going. So what does she do? She decides to maybe go at it a little fast. Thankfully, she didn't run it at full force. Yeah. And she had a door bounced off. <laughs> and I love it. Nick's like, really? That's not smart. No. <laughs> but then Maybe she... you're not as bright as I thought you were. <laughs> then she tries to walk through the middle section, which I thought would make more sense, but... Right. Kind of surprised Nick, because he's like, maybe a bug got turned around and you didn't realize it. But, oh, hey, look, she did walk through it. Yep. Well, they're in the room of people, and it's like, all right, let's go find the books. So I was like, okay, Alice is trying to find a bunch of books. They're not going to necessarily be together, but apparently they are. Right. And Nick has to go find one. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to take her a little bit longer. Yeah. Well, Nick gets his, and Alice has a note that basically the Scooby Gang's books are being revised. So that's why I'm really feeling like it's only their books that are being like changed because of the, the memory spell. Right. But then, like, the more I think about it, does Marina have a new book? Because she's a different Marina. You would think. I don't know. But, yeah, like, it's I'm hard to say. I'm in the library right now, but right. it's really making me wonder about these. Right. And it could only be for people who use magic that they're documenting, not just everyday people. So Marina has magic, though. Oh, yeah. So she, you would think she would have a book. Now, of course, like you said earlier... If the books are being revised, that should mean they are in Cassandra's possession. So we might see a Alice and Cassandra meeting in the near future, which would really be interesting. See, I wasn't even thinking that she might have them in the revision room, but that's that's interesting. Yes, I do hope to see both of them and see what happens. Is it going to be like a 12 monkeys you can't have? Yeah. <laughs> um, Things go boom. Well, Alice ends up getting Nick at least to the fireplace, and she's like, I have to find the books because otherwise they'll track us. Just go. And I, I thought it was sweet because Nick's like, You're still good in my book. I'm like, Aw. Yeah. Got to be. And next thing we know, we see a librarian outside reading a book and a sleigh with jingle bells fly overhead. And she's just yeah. like, What the? <laughs> <laughs> I love that because I'm thinking, how did the sleigh get there? What is happening? Right. So weird. Well, you figured when they captured him, they probably captured the sleigh as well. He just happened to remember where they stored it when they caught him. (laughs) It's like, all right, Rudolph, let's get out of here. We're done with this sleigh. Yes. (laughs) I'm sure all the reindeer are much happier being able to fly and get out of there. Right. All right, so let's run back to our team break bills. We have Margot walking into Marina's building, and 
Marina walking out saying, oh, hey. She kind of looks at her like, huh, I know you. And she's like, I'm Margo, formerly Janet. But what are you doing here, Marina? What's going on? She's like, don't yeah. go upstairs. It's like, oh, there's an uninvited guest. He wants to kill people. You want to go get a breakfast burrito? <laughs> and seriously, I thought Margo was going to deck her. Yeah, why are you running away when my friends are in danger? Yeah, well, he walked through every ward and shield, and I'm not staying because I have a bad feeling of what might happen because, well, apparently your Marina didn't have a good run with God, so I don't want to check it out. No. And weirdly, Marina's like, well, you're one of those. Okay, well, there's a way. And it's like, wait, what? So she knows a way, and I'm like, hmm, this is interesting. Yeah. Marina seems to have taken the information that a past timeline did not go well with the god and prepared for it. And then we get to fly back upstairs because we see Penny take a step and not Elliot makes him fall to his knees. And he's like, no, no, no traveling. Okay. Is it just me and not Elliot being super calm and almost monotone, just more creepy? Oh, absolutely. the look yeah yes oh absolutely yeah you can tell there's a broken thing inside of him and it's just creepy yeah (laughs) wow what's been some amazing acting so far right i don't don't know how he's doing that because right i felt like elliot had so much emotion throughout the last couple seasons and then yes he gets to be like oh yeah this is weird it's like this is this just strange but you know hail apple Applebaum. Applebaum. I always say his last name wrong. He's great. I love him right now. Yes. But anyway, let's jump back. Sorry. Sorry. We have the monster telling everyone, you know, it's very important to decide who will get killed in what order. I didn't like the way he said it. No, not at all. But he definitely picks up on Katie's feelings for Penny. So, of course, she's got to go after Penny. And then, of course, Q cares for all of them. So he's got to go last. And then in comes Margot, and Q has to stop her, and he's, she's like, but it's Elliot. And he's like, no, no, it's not. It's not Elliot. And then we get that flashback to Marina telling her about the god trap, and the ambrosia in the chair, which is like, what'd she say, like meth? Yeah, basically. meth for gods. Get him to sit in the gold chair and then ring the bell. Yeah, okay, so I'm thinking that's probably not going over well. No. And then we have... The immediate moment where Q's like, he's hunting gods that locked him in the castle. And when Natalie sits in the gold chair, I'm thinking, okay, ring the bell, ring the bell. Right. But I just felt like that's probably not going to go well because we've seen what happened last season. Right. And Margot has too many feelings for Elliot and she doesn't want to kill Elliot's body. Right. To get rid of the monster, so she figures there's got to be another way, and, oh, I know where Bacchus is. I love how he just kind of stopped, like, wait, what? Yeah, as he was about to kill Josh. Right, because he did something to an internal organ. Oh, yeah. She's like, yeah, I'll take him there, only if you let all of us live. And I was like, uh, what's he going to do? Is he going to take this deal? Is he not? But I'm... Yeah, because Josh is... Against it because he's friends with Bacchus. Oh, that piques not Elliot's... His curiosity. Curiosity even more. Oh, well, you can kill him. 
So he touches both of them and they disappear. Yes, because I was surprised Margo pulled the ambrosia from the chair to be like, all right, we're going to use this. Right. But it's like, what the heck? This just seems like a bad idea. Yeah. But it did, at least I felt like it gave Nat Elliot pause when she's like, do you know what this is? Right. Oh, and he could smell it because he came up to her just real fast for his slow and everything like that that Nat Elliot is. This got his attention. You could tell it was something like, I like that. Where did you get it? (laughs) But it didn't seem, at least to me, that in getting his attention for it, like you were saying, that it scared him at all. No. Which should scare all of us, because if he's not afraid of it, then it probably would have zero effect. Yeah, that was just going to be a high for him. And you could almost tell it was like a junkie that hasn't had it in eons and oh my god i've missed it so much right that's kind of scary yeah and so when they pop off to fillery marina ends up well i guess coming back i don't know maybe she figured out he was gone and marina's like yeah i'm working for the McAllisters." she's like what the hell you know everybody's kind of pissed and Q's like, well, how much are you getting paid? And she's like, three Deweys. And of course, nobody knows what they're talking about. Right. So she has to run it down. And she's like, well, we can pay you. And she's like, well, five Deweys because of the weight. And I place trackers on you, so don't don't screw me over. It's like, okay, so how are they going to get these little coins, magic coins? Coin batteries. Yeah. yeah. This should be interesting what we come up with, which I thought was interesting what happens. Yes. Let's jump back to Fogg's office really quick, because Julia is talking to Fogg, wanting to know where everybody is, of course. He's like, I don't know. And they kind of go back and forth, because Fogg is like, listen, McAllister's going to come after them, but nobody knows where you are because you don't have magic right now. And she's like, you know what? No, we're done with this crap. I'm helping my friends. You need to cast a locator spell, because obviously I can't do any of this. And, you know, the fact that she tells him, we're the ones who saved magic, and you made a deal with the library that hurt us all, I think that's why he agreed to help more than anything. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. She put him in his place. Called him out on his hypocrisy there. Yes. He compromised, and... And look what happened. Yeah. See, they could have just turned it on, and unfortunately, if everything worked out, Q would be there, but who knows what would happen. Right. All right. Let's go back to Marina's. Julia pops up. Apparently the fog's locator spell worked. Yay. And the first thing Q says is, do you know anything about Alice? It's like, oh, yeah, hi. Great to see you. Do you know where (laughs) Alice is? Probably not what she wanted to hear, but okay. Yeah, she took it well, at least. And then we have the discussion of how do we get the coins? Oh, well, you need a black card because it's like an ATM card. And the whole rigmarole, it's like, oh, hey, I know a guy. Yeah, Penny, at least in his time frame, he knew a guy. So he's hoping that that our Penny, our Penny also had dealings with Frankie. I loved it because they all have to look at their phones. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, I still have the DJ's phone. Crap. And it's like, oh, good. At least his password is the same as mine. But right. apparently not so much with Q. No. And I'm thinking, huh, I would be super screwed. Yeah, absolutely. But 
Penny gets a hold of Frankie, who is in fact a counterfeiter in this timeline as well. And he's like, yeah, I can do it, but it's going to take a, a lot of special sauce. And as he's telling them, all of a sudden somebody's at the door, he opens it up, and it's like, free sneakers for life. And he's like, oh, thanks. And he closes the door after he takes the basket. And everyone's like, what is going on? And it just yeah. gets so weird because later we see, like, a bird bring a sandwich. And before that, there was, he was in a sports car with a big bow on top. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, he has this thing with luck encrusted in it. So, of course, all these good things happen to him. Everything he does turns out well. Yeah. Which, I guess that would make a great counterfeiter. Oh, you better believe it. <laughs> He's like, all right, well, listen, the cost of my job is going to be twice what you need. So I was thinking he meant, like, they need to get five from Rena. He wanted ten, but I guess he just wanted to double what they were taking, so. Right. And, oh, we're going to need a black card for two minutes and at least a third of a Dewey coin. It's like, what? How How do we get all this? <laughs> Every time you think that they might have something it costs them even more and it's like where are they going to get this money oh yeah i love it because they're like well there's a push game tonight and q and katie and penny as they're talking he's like everything we do works out and katie's like well sometimes and penny's like yeah. really <laughs> okay, well maybe a couple times anyway and so it's like okay we're gonna go play push um, and julia wants to send back up the Frankie says, oh, no, they don't allow people in there. But apparently Penny was able to make it. Well, see, this is what I was thinking. Like, Penny was going to go and then wait. Right. So, because Q tried to use the protection amulet to get in, the guy's like, no. And he's like, well, hey, he's a traveler. How about 48 hours a year? How about 40 hours a month? No questions asked. Okay, sure. It's like, what? Oh, Penny's like, hey, hey, whoa. Oh, yeah, you're talking me here. What is this crap? But it gets them in. Right. And then we see the magicians pair off for this game of push, which is kind of like war. Right. Whoever has the most cards at the end wins. And they're using little bits of magic back and forth because you see the hands under the table. Right. And some of the stuff gets really interesting how they end up doing it. And the very end, after the third round, which is with the club owner, I was like, oh, crap, Q's so screwed, right? And right. all of a sudden he uses magic and makes it snow and thunder. And the guy's like, you've used up all the ambient magic in the room. It's like, oh. But as he did that, he pulls a queen out of his sock. Yes. <laughs> and you go, oh, Q, you are such... A slick operator here. Right, because he's like, guess I'll just have to do it the old-fashioned way. And I'm like, what? And it's a queen queen of hearts, I believe, that had Alice's right. face on it. Yeah. But like, the guy didn't say anything. Well, that's because everything was going all weird, so. Yeah. I thought that was interesting that he did it. So, yeah, it was basically just sleight of hand is what he ended up doing to win. Right. So that he can get the Going old-fashioned. Yeah. Get the Dewey. And got some other magic pieces. The first set was what it looked like D and D dice. Yes, and then and the, the other, other were huffling. Yes, so I'm like, huh, okay, that were deadly. Yeah, I can't remember. The who guy was... said, "Don't poke them. <laughs> Don't get poked by them." It's like, oh my, okay. And then we have Penny and Katie on trying to get the black card, which I'm assuming was right after. We right. Think. 
Yeah, as soon as they got to do it, and the next thing that they needed was a black card. Looking for somebody to come up, one of the McAllisters, because apparently the black card is basically carte blanche magic for the McAllisters, because everybody thinks they're the ones who saved magic. Right. Of course. Yeah. So this Irene wouldn't have it any other way. Right. Now, we haven't seen the lady who comes out. No, we haven't seen Irene yet. Okay. No, but we the lady who comes out that they end up finding. Oh, yeah. We hadn't seen her before. Okay. Either. I wasn't sure. Yeah. But Penny, all right, I'm thinking they're going to do the whole pickpocket thing. He kind of bumps into her and he's like, hey, don't I know you? And it's this whole back and forth that she was an actress in the 70s. It's like, really? As Katie Yeah, the car. this was not... <laughs> Not a normal actress, shall we say. Right, because, yeah, I can't remember how she phrased it exactly, but I'm like, oh. Yeah. Oh, wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Penny keeps her busy while Katie grabs it, gets it to Frankie, he does the copy, and then Penny pops back to toss it in her purse without her noticing. Good thing he figured out how to travel. Yes. And now, the sauce. There's always a rub. Frankie yes, explains, absolutely. Frankie explains about his luck and everything with it. And he's like, eh, there's a drawback. The drawback is that I have extremely good luck and that's why everything works. But the bad luck has to even out and has to go somewhere. And he looks over at the stuffed bear. And right. everybody's like, it's in the bear? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Well, somebody has to hold it. Somebody has to be the bearer of the bad luck while somebody's getting the good luck. Yeah. Which makes me wonder, who's getting all his bad luck? Exactly. Unless he somebody has to. shoves it all in, in the bear as well. I guess. So, yeah, it's possible <laughs> whoever has to deal with the bear is not only getting uh, the bad luck for this, but some of his built-up bad luck as well. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So Julia offers to hold the bear because she's bulletproof, but and he wants to know how. Oh, nope. You don't need to know. Right. And then she grabs it and nothing absolutely happens. And so he pulls out his little monocle and says, there's something strange going on with you. Right. Whatever's none of my business is messing up my juju. So somebody yeah. else got to hold it. And she tosses it up, and it lands in Q's lap. <laughs> oh, poor Q. Right? Because he doesn't have bad luck anyway. No. <laughs> no, never. So, Penny and Katie go to get the coins. And you see them masquerading, I guess. Penny's all of a sudden got a mustache and a hat, and Katie's in a blonde wig. Oh, that is like the worst mustache ever. Oh, I know. Porn stash. <laughs> And, of course, they get into the bank, and there is a long-ass line. And they're just, oh, no, we can't do this. Until somebody comes running in the bank, yelling that there's ice cream outside. Free ice and, cream. Yeah. And they, everybody in the bank dashes outside. It's like, oh, okay, this might work after all. Yeah. So we see what's up with Q, as Julia has made him some totally safe soup. Nothing to choke on. It's not too scalding. And, of course, when he reaches for the spoon, it slips into the bowl. And you go, oh, no, this is going to be horrible for Q. Right. Right then you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. And then he gets a paper cut from a paper towel trying to clean up the spilled soup. That was funny. He's like, how do I get a paper cut? <laughs> from a paper towel. 
then, you know, Julia's like trying to wipe it off then with the paper towel. And he's like, don't touch me with that. <laughs> so Katie and Penny request 12 coins from the branch manager. And she has to check the book of band magicians. When she opens it up, it knocks over her candy bowl. And she goes to clean that up. A picture of Katie jumps out of the book and into the shredder. I think it was Katie and Penny. It might have been. Did you hear anything? No. No. So she goes ahead and sends the requisition to home office for the coins. We cut back to Q, whose phone goes off, and it's a message from his mother. Oh, my gosh. And I loved it because Julie's like, don't answer that. But you need yeah, to Yeah, don't pick listen up to it. Wait till after this is over with to listen to it. <laughs> right. But pick up the bear. Yeah. Because, like, I, my heart kind of stopped. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. Set the bear down, and of course, it starts to go bad because the home office sends back a follow-up request with the supervisor. It's like, oh God, we're so we're so boned. Yes, and of course, the supervisor ends up being one of Irene's henchmen on top of it. I could not figure out who he was. I'm looking at him going, why do I know the face? Right, yeah, he was the one that was with her in the castle when they got magic turned back on. Uh, okay. So, of course, Q picks the bear back up, and the supervisor starts having problems with his contacts, not being able to recognize them. Yeah, oh, I can't see anything. Okay, sorry. Yeah. And the supervisor asks if they're going to blow themselves up. Of course they're not. And he approves the request, and they get the coins. And we see Q looking up at a ceiling fan as things start crumbling, and, of course, the ceiling fan falls, but Q Barely gets out of the way. Thankfully. Uh, this the part with uh, the snake. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, that was a giant snake. Oh, hell yes. And how did it come out? Yeah. Julie's like, where did it come from? And he's like, the toilet. <laughs> like, I'm just going to the bathroom. <laughs> I get wrapped in this giant anaconda. <laughs> kind of squeezing to death. So Frankie gets his coins and tells them to destroy the bear, which... Katie takes care of, or does she? I'm not sure what she did with that bear. She did some magic on it. I thought she destroyed it, but you see she puts the card in her pocket. Yeah, Katie and Penny pay off Marina, and she tells them that the trackers were a lie. And as Marina's walking off, she looks at one of the coins, and it she didn't... She looked at it funny, right? Yeah, she it was... Something wasn't right to her, and sure enough, a guy pops out of the woods saying that he's been looking for her. That's why when we seen her mess with the uh, the bear, I'm like... Yeah, did she transfer it. it into a coin? Right, that's why I was like, I couldn't tell what was on the coin. Right, the shot was, it was too wasn't fast. quite long enough yeah. for it to, to tell. And of course, we see her later by the building that they track down the black card at and she puts a black card in her pocket and i'm assuming it's the same one and a woman with a box of puppies stops her wanting to give her one which she takes now frankie had said oh the luck is going to run out on there soon anyway right so that's why you should just get rid of it now and i'm like all right katie what did you do and I, I thought it was interesting because we did kind of skip over it, the conversation Penny and Katie had. Right. Penny, Penny's like, no, you shouldn't screw over Marina. And Katie's like, she killed my mom. And he's like, this isn't the one that did it. 
Right. And Kate is just like, I'm tired of nobody listening to me. Yeah. And it, it seemed really heartfelt because when we first seen these two interact, Katie was kind of mad that that penny was there because it wasn't her penny. Right. And the whole, you know, you have people here. I didn't have anybody. Right. And I thought that it kind of broke through to her, but I'm thinking maybe no. Yeah. Because <laughs> Q, Julia, and Penny show up at Marina's and are informed it's not Marina's anymore. It's hers. You go, okay, did Katie have Marina knocked off? It kind of, it sure seems that way. Right. And Penny asks what she did, and she tells him she took care of the problem, and they need to do the coughing spell before Irene shows up. And I feel like because she did all this and the luck is going to run out, that something's not going to go well here. Right. It's very possible. And of course, later on, Julia tells Q his bad luck is gone and it should be safe to listen to the voicemail. And they have a discussion about was it all worth it, how much they lost, and just to have a little bit of magic. And of course, Julia is, yeah, she'd do it all over again. She was a goddess and now she's not. And Q's not quite feeling it. He's not 100% sure he would do it all over again so that might end up being a problem down the road right of course q wants her to stay with him as he finally listens and it's not good news i know because it was from his mom and it's like crap because the whole thing he said beforehand too about his dad and when magic was gone his dad was fine i was like oh god no yeah and we don't actually hear what it is, but we know just by his face that it just... Right. And we do hear her say it's about his father. Oh, I didn't and that's that. Yeah. And, but that's all we hear, what Q's listening to. Wow. Yeah, I didn't catch that. So that was me. Wow. Yeah, I don't want to know. Yeah. Because his other persona, Brian, lost his father at a very early age. So you know, it kind of rounded his edges. Much more than what cues are jagged, and this may co- make it even more jagged. Oh, this is going to be sad. Yep. So we jump to Fillory, and we see Josh, Margo, and not Elliot in the woods. They come up on a camp, and Josh knows that they have reached Bacchus's hideout due to seeing his followers there. And of course, Margo and Josh argue. About having to kill Bacchus. Of course, Margo is not having any of it. Elliot is our friend and we have to do everything possible to save him. So Josh takes the ambrosia and heads into Bacchus's camp. And we get a little conversation between not Elliot and Margo. It was kind of was creepy. Very creepy. Because of course, Margo wants to know if there's any of Elliot left inside of him, but he's not going to tell her. And he hates being alone with his own thoughts. So you would think he would let some of Elliot's thoughts out so he wouldn't have to deal with his own. We shall see. Yeah. Of course, Margot tells him if he wants friends, stop murdering everyone he meets. Right. Yeah, that's not how you make friends. Yeah. She informs him that she loved Elliot, but they will never be friends unless you let me talk to him. I thought he was going to. So did I. But no. No, no, no. Yeah, he could never leave Elliot's body because she and her friends care so deeply for him. 
you go, oh, <laughs> no, this is not going to be easy. So Josh gets in to see Bacchus, and Bacchus is glad to see him as they discuss what's happening on Earth. Josh finally gives Bacchus the spike drink, but before he drinks it, he knocks it out of his hand, telling him he peed in it. Oops. So, of course, when he gets back with Margo, Margo knows immediately that he didn't do it, and basically gives him a verbal beatdown, making him go do it again. Otherwise, she'll put it in the well water and kill all of them. Yeah, that's a really nice way of saying what Margot said, but okay. Right. <laughs> Very interesting choice of words, too. Yeah, so Josh succeeds in poisoning Bacchus. We see not Elliot dragging the drug Bacchus out into the woods and wants to know what they took from him, but Bacchus can't tell him, or won't tell him, one of the two. And with Josh and Margot watching, not Elliot cuts Bacchus open, reaches inside of him, and pulls out a circular thing. At first, I thought it might have been a heart, but no, it looked more like an egg. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It almost reminded me of the fairy eggs. Right. So, wow. He's going to collect these body parts, and I don't know. Uh, yeah, I wish I could figure out where this thing is going with what they took away from him, that he doesn't know what it is, and nobody's telling him, yet he's collecting these things out of these gods, and it's like, What's up with that? Well, I guess if it was that important, then yeah, the best way to hide something would be to split it up between all the gods. But apparently not Elliot knows that it's that's what they did. Mm -hmm. He just didn't know what he's collecting. Right, because Bacchus is like, I can't give it back to you. Right. And it's like, oh, okay. But I thought was what was weirder there was Margot covering her fairy eye. And she's like, to a fairy eye, it's like looking straight into the sun. Right. So it has to be magic. Yeah. Oh, absolutely it is. So I was just like, hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. This is weird. I want to know what it is. Yeah. So obviously yeah, you're not collecting organs, at least. Yeah. It must be just some absolutely all-powerful magic that they took away from him. He probably got more powerful than the gods themselves. He yeah, must have had the knowledge of everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, what do you guys think? What do you think it is? What do you think is going to happen? Well, why don't you shoot us an email at sci-fi talk at fangirlzone.com and let us know your thoughts. I am really curious, and I'm wondering if this is part of the books, because I've only gotten through the first book so far. And that was just weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> while you're at it, if you can rate and review us on iTunes and every other platform you find us on, because good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us. Tell your friends about the show. You know you want to get them into the show because you want to talk about it. And, of course, check out www.fangirlzone.com and you can see all the random news that we have up and our contact page is there in case you're not sure how to get a hold of us. It's pretty simple that way, too. And for this episode of Sci-Fi Talk, I am Sean Fangirless. And I'm Steve. You know what's incredible? How you can be such a good friend and such a terrible friend at the exact same time. And until next time.